about the things we can't live without the things that we want to shout about everything happening lately cause you're my visionary extraordinary revolutionary Hi, everyone. First of all, I'd just like to say um, it's been literal months and months and months since I actually did this and like low-key totally forgot that I even had a podcast um, because that's just what my life has been like these last few months. Had like three jobs in the summer. Um, One day we'll unpack all of that. (laughs) Um, Now entering my senior year into Carnegie Mellon. Um, Again, someday we will unpack all of that. Uh, um, so I'm also coming off the tail end of a very bad cold slash sinus infection, which you can hear in my voice. So apologies for the raspiness. Um, yes. So I'm back, baby. And you know what else is back? Broadway. Um, (laughs) Broadway, (laughs) I really thought that through. Um, (laughs) Broadway is back was the theme for the 74th, um, annual Tony Awards, which just happened like two, three days ago. Um, still within a week by the time I edit and post this, hopefully. <laughs> uh, so we, me and my lovely theater critic friends decided that we needed to unpack um, the Tonys this past year. So we're just going to dive right in. Um, I'm going to introduce my two lovely guests, which you have heard before um, and have hopefully come to know and love them as I know and love their content as well. Um, So in this corner, I have our favorite (laughs) radical theater maker, Emma Sue Harris. Emma, go ahead, reintroduce yourself for like the third or fourth time. Hello friends, I'm Emma Sue Harris, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm glad to be back. (laughs) Aren't we all? Um, (laughs) And in this corner, I have Grace. Grace, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello everyone, I'm Grace, I use she, her pronouns, and yeah, excited to talk about the Tonys. What a wild night, truly. I'm going to preface this by saying I watched approximately 20 minutes of the Tonys altogether. Uh, and the Ooh, only reason I, feel I that. did, right? And the only reason I did was because, first of all, let me just say, maybe this is just me being incredibly out of the loop and also just like burnt out from theater. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did not know the Tonys were happening this weekend. I don't know if it's just because they were like not super advertised. I don't know about yeah, y'all. They were like, not really. No, they just kind They're of- They're marketing- started. Where was like I don't know where it was. I don't know if Marvius was like for the Tony stand up me and Grace. Yeah, (laughs) literally. No, but like I just didn't understand. I was like, where is the marketing for this? Because usually before the Tonys, they have posters and they have like, you know, people going on to talk shows and talking about it. And so it just sort of felt so weird that we didn't see any of that this year. No, I'm I'm glad to know it wasn't just me. It just all of a sudden just like popped up and like, I literally didn't know about them until like, well, I saw the tweets, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. And then my dad texted me and he was like, are you watching the Tonys right now? And I was like, the Tonys are right now. (laughs) So that's, so let me just really quick before we start, say what, say what I actually watched. So I did read (laughs) the list of everything that won, read lots of theater Twitter tweets, which we'll dive into, I'm sure with many opinions that I shared. um, And I watched 
about so it was a two-part tony thing for those of you who don't know the first part where they actually did like the majority of like the winning and the acceptance speeches and stuff and the second part which um they did like the performances pretty much like you know there's some scattered in the first part but it was mostly like the winners and then the performances so i watched like the first seven minutes of the <laughs> the first part with the with the hosted by audrey mcdonald and here's why i only watched the first seven minutes so um Right off the stage, we got You Can't Stop the Beat, which is was cute, except that it was immediately Matthew Morrison. And I just, if we're celebrating Broadway back, I don't necessarily know if that's what we want to immediately introduce on stage. Careful, Katie. Careful. <laughs> they might, the, the children might come for you like they the did children on might TikTok come for Grace. Oh, yeah. sure we'll come I, made a, I made a joke about that on TikTok where I literally, it was we like, did. I said five words. I was just like, it's like they've learned nothing. Just because I thought it was funny that they like started the Tonys with Matthew Morrison and like Literally. hairspray, which, you know, right? in terms of all the conversations we're having right now, like it's just, it feels Literally. so inappropriate. I was like dramaturgically, <laughs> I want to talk to who made that choice. Like yeah. I get the whole like, you can't stop the beat thing. Like you can't stop us. <laughs> but like, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, the Matthew Morrison, I really, it just took me back. So, well, if the kids come for me, the kids will come for me. But I stand by, <laughs> I stand by that I was thrown and not in a good way. Um, and then- Starting right off the bat, Audra McDonald gave a very big um, impassioned speech about how Broadway needs to change. And I was like, you're right. Um, but we very much just kind of glossed over that for the rest of the night, which I'm sure, again, we'll get into more in depth. Um, so it was just kind of bold to me to have the decision to do You Can't Stop the Beat from Hairspray, which obviously we know is like just a problematic musical with Matthew Morrison, a problematic white man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then Audra McDonald, who I adore, but still like like giving a big speech about all the ways in which Broadway needs to change. And the, the tone in which it was delivered um, was kind of like a we've already done the work, uh, which obviously all of us massively disagree with. Um, Even the performances, anyway. like that message doesn't come through. Like it Matthew doesn't. Morrison and Hairspray, like the right. Je Jennifer Holiday was a highlight. Right. But again, like these are like people who like originated these roles. That means yeah. we're still seeing the same people in these roles. Like we're no, still exactly. seeing the same thing. So what, what, what's changed? <laughs> the only performance, and I wish... Let's just dive into it right now. So the only performance that I very much enjoyed and felt impacted by, you know, besides like I did tear up when I Dina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth sang for good together. Like, I mean, of course, I'm assuming. How do you not? Like, how do you not? Like, obviously going to cry at the impossible dream with all of the like, you know, um, the the memories. But um, it was in memoriam. But the only performance that I really felt something was the Daniel J. Grimes spoken word that they did um, talking about the Broadway Advocacy Coalition, which I don't know if either of you have mm -hmm. seen. Um, what disappointed me was that I looked at several, in preparation for this this podcast episode, I looked at several um, like Tony recap, Tony review articles online, um, like, you know, Variety, Deadline, stuff like that. And I only saw like one article out of like the six or seven that I read that mentioned this performance. Um, and it was, mm -hmm. it lived very much more on Twitter, of course. But um, mm -hmm. I just found that interesting and it was powerful. I really, really, it was about silence um, and it was just incredible. And it was a lot of black bodies on stage um, and it was a beautiful spoken word. It was a great moment. It was 
on and off in a flash. Like it was very much like we're going to give you this this five minutes to talk about Broadway Advocacy Coalition. We give you like this five minute space to do this spoken word, and then we're going to go back to our happy musicals for the rest of the night. So I would love more performances like that in the future because that was like the only time where I was like, okay, we're, we're talking about these issues. Like we're not just glossing over them. Like we're actually getting into it. Um, and there's some really powerful moments where like he was looking at the audience as he was saying these things where I was like, he is making us like, this is like a reckoning, you know? I was like, mm-hmm. this is the reckoning we were talking about. Like I really, really appreciated it. And then again, it was just, we'll be back after this commercial break and with, coming up is Kristen Chenoweth and Josh Groban and blah, 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 blah. So it, that, that uh, again, David Mamet. yeah so so that was that was like in the future like we need more things like that and that's like what I would like to see um at the Tony Awards like is like actual art being produced like spoken words and stuff like that talking about change rather than like you know flashy numbers from musicals that also came out like two years ago um which again this is a delayed Tony's but it's also like a tired Tony's in a way you know yeah, I wasn't planning, like, I didn't have special plans to to watch it this year. I probably would have been in the no. just follow the Twitter thread mm-hmm. and not watch both. If I have a friend who is a really great, um, like, theater journalist here in South Florida, and she gets invited to all the, like, she gets press passes to everything now. And our, like, local oh, performing fantastic. arts center had a viewing party thing, and she asked me to be her plus one. So I went to that. And so I watched the first chunk of it mm. um like before big brother pushed everything back like once that started <laughs> like I went to drive my friend home and I didn't um I didn't catch the end I followed the rest from Twitter um but it was so oh, I it felt weird like even I was like mm. at this viewing party and like people weren't really watching but like I guess they were like they weren't really theater people for like a lot of them anyway they were like um just sort of like business people who were like friends of uh the board and such things like that so like I don't know that tracked but like even the people who were paying it like I don't know I was watching these Tonys and I was like I have even the years where I have been really disappointed in like who was awarded or like what was that like what the options were like if I didn't feel great about what the season was there was at least some sort of excitement and like there were at least enough like really beautiful moments where I was like this was worth watching mm-hmm. um whereas like this time around it was more like there were so many like absurdly uncomfortable moments that it was mm-hmm. like I'm glad I watched it so that I I could see that like see exactly how bad it was mm-hmm. but um it, it was like it was a very different Tony viewing experience <laughs> that I've ever had before um it was it was very weird but I feel like like I said, Jennifer Holiday moment was was a highlight. I didn't expect that. They got me with that. Um, and then I don't know, aside from that, like I mostly like the highlight for me of the Tonys was like getting to watch Twitter blow up. Like that was more fun than anything to me. <laughs> than like it, like that was more theatrical than anything, like interesting and theatrical than anything. <laughs> on stage for the most part (laughs) which is sad there were like yeah I mean for a majority of the show I was like okay I'm pretty surprised by this but also not surprised um 
but I was really excited about like, you know, a soldier's play that won so many Tony awards. And like, it was cool to see that. So that was really exciting. And then I was really shocked when Lynn Nottage came out. I was like, she's she looks here. so good. <laughs> like they're she's giving fantastic. her a fantastic. How old is Lynn Nottage? I mean, I, I think she's still pretty young. I always look at her as like, she looked amazing. I always like, in oh, my I mind, I view outfit. her as like ancient, which I just don't know if that's because like, I've heard the name for so long and it's like, so, so she's 56 that years I, like, old. Oh, that means we're going to have her for longer in our lives. She's that's great. <laughs> oh yeah. But what was crazy to me is that like, you know, um, Audra announced her and was like, she's the only black woman to win two Pulitzer prizes. Like that's huge, yeah. you know? And there were some people in the audience, it was just like, they were kind of like, you know, oh God, I gotta get, like, they looked like they didn't want to get up. And I was like, you're in a room with Lynn Nottage. Like, how do you not realize get up. what a big <laughs> deal this is? Like, do they not this know woman, her, aside from writing the books of certain musicals? Like, <laughs> it's just like, she is contemporary American theater. So I don't understand why yes. it took them so long to stand up. But like, then again, maybe I'm being a little too harsh because I would just literally like rise out of my chair and like start bowing down, you know? Um, so maybe that's just me, but that was my thing. I was just sort of like, you're not standing up fast enough. Um, <laughs> well, that, but yeah, that, that was my big criticism that you see that. among a lot of criticisms. Right, yeah, I feel we'll, be, like, we'll be unpacking our opinions for, for a while. <laughs> before, before we unpack those, I do like just want to take a sec because I feel like, I don't know the conversations that I've had with like each of you before like I I won't say I speak for you but I feel like we're gonna be on the same page um in terms of like like what we saw at the Tonys is like you know disappointing in terms of like what we would have liked to see like given all of the like talk of the last year about things changing um but also it was unsurprising give it like to those of us who like you know work more in the regional theater and who also understand that like while Broadway and like the Tonys are like the commercial height of the theater like they're not the theater as a whole and like mm -hmm. I feel that like I don't know I wanted to take a second highlight the fact that like Broadway is the theatrical vocation and that belongs to a few people mm -hmm. no it's the theatrical profession and that belongs to a few people but the vocation of theater like the the craft and the art is like still all of ours and yes. like regardless of what does like disaster shit show happened at the winter garden the other night like we still like can invest in each other's work and in our community's work and like reassess like how we want to like value like things at different levels in in this craft and I feel like that's sort of what I am focusing on after all this, you know? Yeah. I just feel like it's one of those things where, you know, I always say like my favorite playwrights are the playwrights who are Tony nominated, but never win because it's just yeah. like, it's just, that's the Tonys and they're going to pick the show they're most comfortable with. And like, mm. you know, that's okay. That's just like their, that's their perspective of theater. But like, you know, I mean, it's just different from ours. And so it's one of those things where like watching it, of course, I was like a little bummed, but then I was also like, it's just a different of a difference of perspective. And like, I also understand that my idea of theater and why I love theater, it's not centered at the Tonys. And like, you know, um, 
that kind of theater, right? That like really says something or that really um, provokes an audience or I don't know, just like does something, right? Like um, if that was always awarded at the Tonys, like that would be amazing. At the same time, would it still be the kind of theater that like, I don't know, like what would our relationship with yeah. it be like, you know, if it was commercial? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. things that are truly, yeah, because you can't really commercialize it. And if you can, then whatever we're making that's like avant-garde is like no longer, like if whatever we're doing that like we enjoy now is then commercialized, mm -hmm. what replace it, like what becomes the like next like underground thing, I don't know. But the like, I don't know, you just look at, the, like we had th like the three musicals <laughs> that we had at the Tony's <laughs> were only three, which I, I love the movie, uh, I've always, thought that it would make a really great stage adaptation mm -hmm. I didn't see it it's one of those shows that I'm like I didn't see but I like have taken joy in having a strong opinion about anyway <laughs> oh that's see see I have a strong opinion about it but I've seen the the bootleg or as the kids call it these days slime tutorial um. yeah my friend <laughs> saw it and Karen is great but I don't love the additions they made well, yeah, Karen's not even in it anymore. So, like, what's the point? Is my whole is my whole thing? Yeah. Remember, and then um, we've got Jagged Little Pill, and then mm -hmm. we have um, Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Yes. Yeah. So and let's start unpacking that. Boxes. There's no original. Like, there's no original scores. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. the Obie Awards this year awarded Michael R. Jackson for a strange loop. Like, not just like for the writing, but the entire creative on creative team and ensemble got a special Obie for it. Mm -hmm. Like. Heroes of the Fourth Turning, like Will Aubrey and the entire ensemble of that show got lauded at the Obies this year. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's just a stark difference of, yeah. of work. And like, it just makes me think about like where I'd like to orient, like the energy that like, you know, like for a lot of my life, I spent like getting really hype about the Tonys, you know? Like, what if we like directed that energy, like we all directed that energy at like the work that, we all say we want to see done. Well, and I think that's the distinction between a theater kid and a theater adult. Because <laughs> I still get, you know, kind of pissed at the theater kids that are like all about Broadway, all about Broadway. They got the Playbill mm -hmm. play collection. They've got the they their New York trip three times a year where they go see Wicked again for the 16th time. You know, that's where <laughs> I get annoyed at them for many reasons. But like the primary annoyance is Broadway is not and cannot be defined as American theater or American theater is not and cannot be defined by Broadway. You know, it's- Yeah, that makes me just, more mad at educators for telling children yes. that. Yes, <laughs> it makes say, me more like, I was at, that at them for just not learning, you know, just not having the ability to learn about these other things. Um, yeah, like I didn't know that, I didn't know what the League of Resident Theaters was before my freshman year no. of college. So Moulin Rouge is no, this is no spoiler to anyone, one best musical, um, which again, we talked about, you know, it's interesting how none of these musicals are like original scores, even though there's a lot of really new original cool stuff out there, um, which we'll dive into. I want to do a whole other episode about like all these musicals that aren't out there. I want to bring Musical Dealer from TikTok on. I think that'd be oh, really fun. Love yes, you should. So He knows so much. So that was unsurprising in ways and I think um unsurprising the ways of Jaggy Little Pill controversy so we talked I think I think in previous episode um touching on the Jagged Little Pill controversy but let's talk about it re-coming up at the Tonys and let me see if I can pull up some of the tweets that I 
screenshot. Yeah, and I listened to this morning's, this is Tuesday that we're recording this. I don't know when this is going to go out, but this morning, the episode of What's Up on Broadway with the Tony recap. I also listened to that this morning. Yeah, because I wanted to hear Christian Lewis's response um, like before I talked about it because their article is like a lot of what started like really stirring the waters the last few months um, and their reporting I've really appreciated. So I wanted to turn to to that homie before. Just, you know, like I don't want to say like too much of what's already been said, that, but like... I also feel that, you know, like trans people and like non-binary people aren't monoliths, you know? Um, And, you know, I've talked to people who have, trans people have very different opinions on the matter than I do. So, you know, um, I speak for myself and only myself, but I feel like everything that's gone on with Jagged Little Pill, like certainly like at least, you know, merits also a lot of asking some some, some hard questions <laughs> about um, about things. And so the two awards that Jagged won the other night that like I take issue with and that are the ones that people seem to be most hurt about, um, like trans people that I know and from what Twitter says, um, is Best Book, which like, can we just talk about the fact that it was handed to Diablo Cody by the previous winner of Best Book, who wrote Tootsie? So yeah. it was just like one transphobic show, just like handing the torch over to like the next show that that fucked with trans people. Um, so there was that. And then also Lauren Patton winning Best um performance by lead actress or featured actress in a musical um for her portrayal of joe and like earlier this week um i guess this is probably important information jagged like five days before the tonys like not not even maybe they posted um like an apology letter like or what they called an accountability statement (laughs) um about the fact that they were like acknowledging the fact that they had changed the script and that they had upset the trans non-binary community and were bringing on some like non-binary people to their dramaturgical team and were saying that like we're describing Joe as like a character on a gender journey which I was going to take the accountability statement and just like wait to see like what came of it because like I don't know there was I wasn't going to nitpick at it, but it wasn't really (laughs) good enough for me either. Um, And then we found out, like, not long after that, like, Lauren is going to be staying in the show. And Lauren did a sit down for, like, 45 minutes. I didn't watch it all. I I didn't. I just looked at Christian Lewis's thread because I didn't want to put myself through it. And Christian, wherever you are, bless you (laughs) for doing it because it was just exhausting. I watched, like, three minutes of it. I was like, I can't. Um, but Jakina sat down with Lauren and talked about, um, their journey with the character, but like at the end of it, basically just saying like, Lauren's going to be staying in the role. Um, and then Lauren winning the award for it. Also Celia dropped out this week and there was another cast member who left the show this week. I don't remember his name. 
and Nora, should, there is a lot of Jagged Little Pill things. So the oh, other I piece think of it was context, Anthony C is the last name starts with a C. Ooh, I don't yeah. know musical theater people. I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> yeah, it is Anthony C something. Sorry, Anthony C something. That's sorry, <laughs> Anthony. Big um, fan. But the other the final piece of context that's important is that Nora Shell, who was an original cast member um, was, I believe, like a, like covering roles and was a swing. Um, and in the ensemble put out, like had spoken out before sort of more vaguely about um, mistreatment that they had gone through like during the Jagged Little Hill rehearsal, Jagged Little Pill, I can talk, rehearsal process and during the run. And this week they put out like a much more specific statement detailing like a horrific experience of having given the team their conflict of like a scheduled surgery for um, their uh, PCOS, right? Mm -hmm. Polycystic. um, I saw this, I saw this whole thread. Yeah, and yeah. basically, like, they had this surgery scheduled before rehearsals started and made it known from the get. And throughout the process, like, when it was brought up, like, like they were repeatedly treated like they had not brought it up before, like, no one had known about it before. They also importantly brought up, like, like specifically mentioned stage management, um, like, being involved in, you know, like, denying that. They, they had made it known that this surgery was going to, this conflict was going to happen. Um, and the stage manager for Jagged Little Pill also happens to be like the vice president for stage management for Actors' Equity. Um, so there's a lot of issues there. Well, the whole um, situation like was just incredibly poorly handled. And I just feel so bad for Nora that like they had to go through that because that's like complete bullshit nobody should ever like tell you what to do or like tell you that you can't take you know paid medical leave for a condition that like you need to like you need medical support for you know and I think especially I mean reading Nora's letter like talking about how you know they have a really important relationship with their doctor like finding a doctor is so challenging especially one that that you connect with and so and when the you're a trans that, person, it's even harder. Yeah. And no, if, if you were working anywhere else, you would get sued and like, it would mm-hmm. be a whole situation, you know, people would be fired. And so it's absolutely ridiculous that- I mean, this was a trans person's healthcare. Like, yeah, well, no, no. It's, it's like, it's illegal. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't say that you're going to like withhold, um, you know, medical leave from that. Isn't that what they said? They said something like that. I want to make sure, cause I don't want to get it wrong, Me but- either. I'm going to pull up the actual, um, the tweet, the tw- the Twitter thread that I saw that ha- will have more of those facts. But. A lot, there have been a lot of attacks on Lauren throughout this, just to like move mm-hmm. to like a different part of the jacket issue, um, mm-hmm. because of the role of Joe. And I mean, I think that, you know, I personally, like as an actor and like in my general, um, you like actors have a responsibility to understand like the privileges that they hold and like what they're representing and like the power they're holding when they step on stage um 
and like an acknowledgement of that and the roles that like we don't take I think says more about us than the roles we do sometimes you know I think you know that that's a leading principle for me um so that's just me um but more than that like more than Lauren what bothers me is the best book award because this is a warning mm-hmm. this piece of text Right. Let's let's get traumaturgical. Oh, about let's it, right? talk about. This. I know. Let's, 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 let's analyze the text. Uh, yeah, dramaturgically. <laughs> and the subtext. Let's analyze because the subtext. Because what happened of the text. was, and like what they broke broke down, like what Shagita and Lauren break down in this forty minute video, like what the jagged team is like saying they didn't that they're apologizing for is the fact that when they worked at the show at ART, they realized they had written a non binary character because trans people were like this is a non-binary role, why don't you let Iris just play it? (laughs) Um, And they were like, oh shit, like we're transferring the show to New York um, and we wrote this non-binary role, we need to rewrite it so that Lauren can stay in it. What this has done dramaturgically (laughs) is taken like a piece of text that like told a particular narrative, like from a particular community. And then when the creative team realized that they didn't have the capacity to tell that story the way that they, or like to get away with telling that story, like without like actually considering like the voices that they're trying to represent and like get away with that, Um, like not be called out for it. Um, They rewrote the role. They changed the text for a cis actor. Like they they erased a trans narrative to prioritize a cis performer. And like, to me, it is not just that like, it is Lauren playing the role. It is that like, you change a piece of text to prioritize a cis performer over a trans narrative that it was like so clear that like, Joe's journey, like however, like vague it was, was like so important to like a lot of non-binary people, including myself. Like I really enjoy, I really loved Jagged and like all of my trans friends like dropped everything to go see Iris in that role the night that they went on for the role. Like every trans person in New York City was in the audience the night that Iris went on. And it was this like like community experience, like seeing this trans story on stage. And then for Jagged to turn around and go, no, it was never that way. And then for them to go, okay, fine, you caught us. It was that way, but then we changed it because we wanted to keep our cis actress. And now they're like, sorry, what we'd like to maybe cast someone cis again. And like, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> you're not getting away with that. You're just not, you know, well, you're it's, gonna, it's just the whole, it's not enough for me. <laughs> the whole book is, I would argue, like they, what they tried to do, it's like they tried to talk about every single issue affecting young people because they thought like by doing Mm -hmm. this young people will be interested in the story but it's like you need to handle each and every single subject carefully and like to just fit in all of these like narratives like yes focus on joe that's an amazing narrative but like don't just like shy away from it really delve into that story and it just felt like with a lot of things that they discussed in that show it's like they just kept pulling away from it and like barely discussing every important, like there was a scene where, you know, there was like sexual assault and like literally 
it was and like they deal over with in the next addiction scene. and they deal with yeah like, and it's like those are not like, things you just gloss over because that like impacts everybody who's watching it who's experienced this and like the big thing for me the big upset of the night was the fact that Katori Hall did not win best book of a musical because Katori Hall won a Pulitzer Prize this year and like yep you know is an amazing writer along with like Frank and Keys who also worked on the project on Tina but I'm just like, how do you go from winning a Pulitzer Prize to going to the Tonys? And they're like, no. I'm like, no, what? We're going we're gonna to reward the show that caused like ridiculous amount of controversy, rightfully so. Well, I think- It just feels like girl bossery of it all. They also <laughs> vote. I mean, we should also say too, they voted for all of this before. I mean, they should have known, right? But of they course- did. They did. That's fair. They did vote. We do have to remember these these ha- are Tonys that have been delayed. So like, the, honestly, the winnings have been locked in for a long time. Um, but- They have, but they didn't have to be shut up. Well, yeah. Well, here's my <laughs> biggest thing is- So- I've told you about this before on this this podcast, but the American Theater Wing did visit Carnegie Mellon like my freshman or sophomore year. Um, and I'm like literally leaders of the organization. I'm going to get like blacklisted for saying all this. Um, but literally leaders of the for American the club, friend. You know, yeah, right? I'm sure we Welcome all are blacklisted um, from I'll just them. never work in this business before I even emerge into it, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I should really take my, my podcast off my resume because it currently is. <laughs> um, That's me with TikTok. I'm like, maybe TikTok. I should remove this. Um, it's not like I'm irreputable. I do go to Carnegie Mellon University, which by the way, was shouted yes. out many times in the Tonys. And I was cackling at it because <laughs> if you look closely, they're all like, Leslie was like, oh yeah, Carnegie Mellon has produced so many wonderful people. But like, you can see the trauma and death in his eyes when he says the name of Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie <laughs> also pays, I, I mean, not to not to shade your school, but they also do pay for that partnership. No, no that's what I'm saying. I'm like, we literally sponsor it. So like, of course, he has to say nice things. Like, anyway, mm-hmm. no. jokes, 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 hashtag uh, Roll Tartan's love scene. It's like, you know but, what's a great organization <laughs> that's just coming to my head randomly? The <laughs> The way they were we love like, the oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, also, like, they always talk, Josh Groban, the constantly, like, oh, Carnegie Mellon alone. Carnegie Mellon alum. Josh Groban went to Carnegie Mellon for like two months. I don't think people realize that. Like, Dan <laughs> Foley was there for like two months and then he yeeted for a record deal. Like, he did not fully go like through he's not an alum of this program. Yeah, no, like Sutton Foster. Sutton Foster like dropped out after like a year and they're always like Carnegie Mellon. And I'm like, but like, they're not by definition alum, but we like to claim them when they're famous. We we force them out, mm. but then we claim them when they're famous. We told Billy Porter that he wasn't gonna be big, and then here we are claiming them when they're mm-hmm. famous. Anyway, um, I forget where I was to go. Oh, okay. But what I was saying is, so we went to this American Theater Wing talk, and the tone deafness of these these leaders of the American Theater Wing, because a lot of our questions, when they finally opened up to Q&A, a lot of the questions were things like, how do you plan to make Broadway more accessible? How do you plan to make it more equitable? Like, do you plan to have like opportunities for like reduced ticket prices? And I will never forget the way this lady responded um, was, well, Honestly, if you put it in like like uh, context, like $200 for a ticket to Hamilton is not a bad price. And she said this to a room full of like college students who are gonna have ridiculous student loans because Carnegie Mellon is ridiculously expensive. And and like yeah. she said this to all these kids and we were all like looking at each other, like our jaws just like dropped. It's she just- broke up that $200 the, ticket. 
I and know. like, where does that go? Here, like $200 is half my rent. Like, like I don't go know. To the performers and to the people backstage. Right. Where's where that go? Where's that $200 go? Let's go straight into the producer's pocket. Cause I'm pretty sure that's where it goes. But it's just like the tone deafness from that visit, like two, three years ago is what was reflected to me, you know, this past weekend. And not only tone deafness, but like we talk about a lot on this pad- podcast, lack of care. And I know that people in older generations, like my father likes to say this a lot, a lot of like my professors like to say a lot, like, yes, maybe our generation is sensitive, you know, maybe like we get hurt easily by things, which I have a whole lot of issues with the way that's phrased and the way that they demean us for things like that. But what I really do think is what we're doing is holding people accountable for harm and actually being able to voice harm that maybe people in older generations, like they haven't been able to the harm was normalized you know and now we're finally being like this is harmful and you should do better and we saw that lack of care and lack of accountability in this tony's where they made decisions that were inevitably harmful and could have been like you know remedied or could have been avoided and it's just and like yes lauren did say some stuff about the controversy in her um acceptance speech but it's also like that's not first of all it was like really um and it's also like that's not accountability that's let's gloss over this and move on and pretend like it never happened so yeah they they have no understanding of what we mean when we say accountability and like Mm -hmm. it's not for lack of like um like access to being able to like figure out what we mean you know it's not like since these are new ideas that we that we're having you know um like people have been advocating for these things for a very long time social media so we're more vocal about it <laughs> it's like to me like neoliberal just like seems to be the over like the, the like word that keeps coming to mind when i think of like how to describe what I saw the other night, because it's like, like getting up there and talking about all these changes and like Lauren saying like, like thanking the trans and non-binary community for like holding space for difficult conversations. Like, okay, like we've held a lot of space for a lot of really difficult conversations for a really long time, but like, I would like to see his action. Um, I would like to see like like material conditions change because currently like the material condition, I don't know about y'all, but like for me, for like the consensus for most people I know, material conditions for like theater workers are like terrible. Um, and we would like them to materially improve, which requires like actual action and not standing around saying, we see you, we hear you, we are gonna hold ourselves account. You know what? We're gonna have difficult conversations. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. like, what about like those of us who had this difficult conversation a long time ago and like every single day that you don't do something, like our lives get worse materially. <laughs> well, I think one of the one of the greatest examples of how just like performative the Tonys was for me personally. Um, No offense to anybody who loves the Tonys, but like, you know, when Ali Stroker was singing that song and, you know, a few years ago, yes, like a few years ago when she won, um, everybody was commenting on the fact that she like had to wait out in the wings and then they like, and then she could go on stage, but they didn't create an accessible ramp or like anything for her to like access the stage. And then with this performance, right, it's like, 
you know, I understand that she's not like, you know, like she, like you may think she doesn't need that accessible ramp, but like just add it to the stage. Like, do you know what I mean? Because like, what if it's something the happens? These it's are like just the like, top level of like set, like builders and designers, like a ramp cannot yeah. be that fucking but difficult, like, but y'all. That's, <gasps> the thing is their perspective, right? Is like, well, what is necessary? And the thing is they are not interested at least this is my perspective. It doesn't really seem like they're interested in redesigning the space in the way that, um, uh, oh God, who was it? Broadway, um, he was talking about this during his acceptance speech and it was like really powerful about redesigning the space. I'm gonna look him up. But, um, but he was talking about this and I was like, I just, I don't know. As much as I love, you know, theater and I, and I do respect Broadway as an art form, it's just sort of like, well, are we ever going to have this space in here? Like, are we ever going to be able to like, you know what I mean? Because it's That's how just, I felt watching Lauren win too, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, it just, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It makes you think a lot about, about the future of Broadway and where theater, um, I don't know, where theater is going to exist in the next, I don't know, however long. Well, that's also how I um, felt about watching Matthew Lopez win for The Inheritance, right? Oh, I have um, thoughts. Yeah. Oh, sorry, we have thoughts. Yes. But even like before we dive into the thoughts, even just like in the acceptance speech talking about how this is the 74th Tony Awards, like 74 years. And it is the first, he, he said he was the first Latino to win in that category, you know? And again, it's like at the, the similar to what we were just saying, it's like what voices are in the room? What spaces are we building for what people, you know? And there was like a lot of talk and I, this, maybe I shouldn't say this, but there's a lot of talk at the Tonys about black and white stories. There's very little talk still about Latinx stories, Asian stories, disabled stories. Like, like there's still like, yes, we've got more black people on stage this year and that's fantastic and that's awesome. But you know, diversity is not a black and white thing. It is not like a, a yeah, you know identity I mean? politics is such like, yes. a, like, again, like neoliberal take to do it. Like, as though, like, if you fill this quota, then you've done the job, right? Like, no, you have not the dismantled quota. and then rebuilt the system that inherently, like, regardless of like, what identities you see there, like the system we have built automatically puts somebody at the top, which requires somebody to be below them in a way that like exploits them. Or and people like, always playing catch no up. No matter like, who's always where, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah, literally people always walking three steps behind someone else, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like the goal isn't to have like, just like more trans disabled people of color at the, like trampling the people below that. Like, no, we would like an actually equitable system, which requires a lot more than you just saying, look at the diverse faces of our station. Well, and I think it's also, it's not even just about like, you know, the fact that Matthew Lopez was the first Latine playwright to win best play, which is absolutely shocking and like disgusting that he is the first after 74 Tony Awards. Um, But it's also like Cornez, nothing. Yeah, I mean, of course not. (laughs) I know. I don't even think she would accept it. She would be like, just kidding. I know what she's nice. (laughs) Literally, she'd be like, bye. (laughs) Living was offered Broadway houses on numerous occasions and turned them down. I found out recently, and I was like, that's so on brand. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, but like, you know, the fact that the play that transferred to Broadway that Matthew Lopez wrote was about gay white men 
um, during the AIDS epidemic and also like in current times that kind of bleeds mm-hmm. through those times. But it's like, you know, I think that is such a, it really tells you a lot about who is watching these shows, right? Because also you have to keep in mind too, that like, so you know, the inheritance is all about neoliberal white gay men. And, you know, um, it's, a really, it's a really great play. And like, I don't want to like, cause I really do love Matthew Lopez. I think he's an incredibly talented playwright at the same time. Like, I do not think that Donya Arlove would be nominated for a Tony or would win a Tony if he was on Broadway, you know? And it's just like, when are we finally going to get, you know, disabled people writing stories about their own experiences And when are we going to, you know, have that discussion? And I just feel like a lot of the conversations we have, particularly um, about AIDS, especially in theater, it's like, you know, it's always beautiful white men who are like talking about it. And it's always like, you know, you just see people losing their lives. And it's like, I just, you know, I know for, you know, my my personal experience, right, with disability and seeing portrayals of like diabetes on stage and in screen, it's just like, it's messy. But I can't imagine, right, like watching a show about your lived experience and everybody looks the same and everybody is like, they're just the same person over and over again, right? And you're living in like 2021. And, you know, of course, AIDS looks a little bit different now. And also just like, the toxic cycle a, that creates for gay men is yeah, so, it runs so deep. I see gay it men everywhere. of color. It's just like, I just, it's, it's a really toxic cycle that I wish we would like actually discuss. And I think also, I mean, it's, it's well known that like, if you write a story about disability and you're not disabled or you don't have disabled people in it, you're going to win awards. It happens at the Oscars all the time. And so for me, it was like, you know, I think all of these plays are amazing and they all deserve to win so many awards because they're incredible. But it's just like at the same time, I was sort of like disappointed because I was like, I, you know, we've all grown up watching these stories win award after award after award. And it also like makes me feel sad, too, because it's like, you know, the the play that went to Broadway for Matthew Lopez was a story that was about white men. And like, what does that tell you about Broadway and about the state of theater? I think yeah, it really does like, say a lot. What you said about like, if you're disabled, like, you know, that like, if you, a not disabled person writes play about disabled people and puts no disabled people in it, they're going to win awards. It's like, if you're a queer theater maker mm-hmm. who wants to make work about identity, if you want your work to go anywhere, you better write an AIDS play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because know, for whatever reason, here, like, you can't see marginalized bodies on stage without pitying them. This is my like AIDS play hot take. Cause like Charles, like we think about queer theater and like the center of queer theater is like the nineties and like the AIDS plays, but like Charles Ludlum and like queer, th- like what was happening with queer theater in the seventies was like not popular at all. The critics hated it, tore it the fuck apart. But Angels in America is like national, like worldwide. Everyone loves Angels in America. And Angels in America is a brilliant fucking play. Like no, like no one would deny this. I'm not saying abolish Tony Kushner or um, oh my God, what's his face from the normal heart? Um Larry Kramer. Larry Kramer, right? Like we need them, like important work. But well, also, Larry why is it? Why is it that work. still in 2021? We've got a strange loop, like winning the OP award, which is like by a black queer 
playwright, composer. <laughs> um, and then you've got like, what? Like no originals, but then you have on Broadway, like freaking Jagged Little Pill. Like that's what yeah. the other option is. Like you, we see the inheritance versus like circle jerk in terms of like queer media, right? And mm-hmm. it's like the, the like the, the difference between those, those two things and the fact that like circle jerk was a finalist for a Pulitzer this year mm-hmm. and like the inheritance, like one best pie. I think tells us a lot about like the state of American theater <laughs> and like the state and of where American their commercial theater. Yeah. And like the state and like the work that like can be done if like we can use the best of what the commercial theater can give us in our necessary, you know, like struggle to survive this system while like creating the work we actually want to make and like getting it out there and like creating these new forms like there's a lot of really incredible potential there but that's not what was awarded the other night (laughs) you know and I feel like it's that sort of like disparity and contradiction that is the most like hilarious and absurd and infuriating thing (laughs) I mean, I think at the end of the day, and like Gracie said, this is is what I saw was a lot of performativity. And at the end of the day, that is what the Tonys is. It's literally people getting on stage and doing the flashy, flashy dance numbers. And this year, especially so, because I guess we decided that the best way to celebrate Broadway being back is bring out like all of the old Broadway stars doing their little theater kid thing, you know, belting out like into the woods and and um, Wicked and every, <laughs> all of that stuff. If they had brought like, in like- Every five minutes. Yeah, if they had brought in I was like, like emerging theater makers to do that, yeah. love it. Young people, honestly, <laughs> even if they brought up it. like a Jimmy, like, you know how they used to have like a Jimmy Awards thing? Like, mm-hmm. even if they brought up like high school theater kids, college theater kids. Where like, were the Ratatouille people? Like, where, where were the, well, we talk about special Tony Awards. Where were the Ratatouille people? That's the biggest That's upset. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's the mm-hmm. biggest upset that I saw. Where um, was the recognition for TikTok's contribution? Right. <laughs> like, right. But it very much felt like, Broadway is back as in Broadway is back to what we do best and what we have done and what we're comfortable with, which here, here's your, all of your favorite big stars. Here's Bernadette Peters. Here's everyone singing, you know, all of the great old standards. We're going to make your like theater kid heart nostalgic. And at the end of the day, that's great for someone like my dad who loves Broadway, loves musical theater, like loves, loves that but he's not a theater maker. So the Tonys, mm-hmm. it's not for theater makers, which is upsetting because when you think about the purpose, you think, I mean, it's American theater wing, right? You, you think it mm-hmm. should be, but it's just, it's gotten to the point where it's so spectacle that it's not even for us. At least it doesn't feel like it's for us. And it's like an empty spectacle. spectacle. I do love an empty spectacle. I had a great time watching the Moulin Rouge, like the, with the skirts and the can-can and the high kicks. It was great. That's not empty spectacle though. <laughs> like I feel like if, if you enjoy it, if you find something in it to like do that, you know, like, yeah. And it I feel like, like the cast of Moulin Rouge, like, like that cast, like definitely like, as, even if it's not in the text, you know, like like that, they fueled it with an energy that like made it feel less than like an empty spectacle. But the Tonys were absolute empty spectacle. It was oh, yeah. just like, 
like why are we saying like oh my god like why you would we think that a room of musical theater people could like make you believe that like they needed to sing and dance that every that any of it I didn't well, I didn't believe that dramaturgically <laughs> what was the storyline you know <laughs> like what's like why I don't is, understand why like, is <laughs> what justified the choice like why is that the right. only thing you can do as a character truly though truly and like I think a big thing too it's like whenever I mean I didn't I'll be honest I didn't really watch the second part of the Tonys on CBS because I live on the west coast and it was like all the all the shows that won, like we already knew on social media by that point. So I was like, well, it's sort of a waste, but um, like a big thing that I've always kind of had a problem with with the Tonys and maybe I'm the only one, but it's like every single Tony Awards, it's like, you know, you see all of these like big musical numbers, but you never see any of the plays. And I know there was a conversation, I think on Twitter, this is where I found this out, but Antoinette Nwandu talked about how like, um, you know, they were going to show something at the Tonys, but then they were like, you need to censor your play because of course it's like, you know, uh, there's a lot of language in it. And she was just like, no, <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. So, which I love, you know what I mean? Um, and it's sort of like the spirit of theater that I, that I enjoy. My geek um, heart would love to see some scene work. Yeah, and I just, I wish that we would, but like when we constantly see musical numbers being performed year after year, then it really drills into these kids, I, like ideas of theater, right? That like only musical theater is the form of theater you can do. That's and literally so it's what I like, thought my whole life. Yeah, no, me too. Until I went to college and I was like, oh, these are plays that are like doing very well on the East Coast that I had no idea existed. And so it's like, you know, when you shut out that entire form of theater, it really does say a lot. And I, and I understand, right? Cause it's less flashy than like a musical number. But at the same time, I just- I don't know. I wish we Is saw some really great, powerful scenes on stage, you know? Sometimes um, um, a scene is far more compelling to me than a lot of musical numbers that I've seen. Well, yes. So, you know, but I, would... I also feel like, you know, it really depends on what stage you're performing on. That too. And then there's also, you know, yeah, there's the whole censorship side of it with TV, which I think just sort of like, I don't know it breaks my heart. Cause I'm like, I wouldn't want to censor. I wouldn't want anything to be censored from the, any of those plays, you know? But I feel like a lot of plays are just, they're a little, they're a little out there more so than some musicals. I'm sorry, controversial take. <laughs> no, that's, I feel like that's just like, I feel like that's empirical evidence backs you up there, I feel. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We've, we've had much more controversial takes. I think that is, that is much more of a, of a thing that everyone can get behind. And I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, every year, the complaint is always, why don't we see any performances from any of the plays that were nominated? Like, mm -hmm. why do we only leave space for like, you know, the musicals? And you're right, that does create this system where kids think that musical theater is the only form of American theater, at least the only form of theater worth doing, which again- Or like, if that if you're not true. a triple threat, then like, you're not gonna get to mm. be like, like the one thing a year that's mm -hmm. like the celebrated thing of Broadway, of theater. Like if you're a theater kid, the one like, big thing a year is like all musicals and everything you see is like belting tapping like skinny white people <laughs> over and over again then like my entire life I was like oh like I'm a skinny blonde white person I like the theater like this must mean that like if I can't belt and I can't also like 
do a double like if anyone just like randomly asks me to like you know and if I can't like pick up the original west side choreography in a dance call then like my life is over and I might as well like go and like get an English degree or something like I you know like it's literally like what was basic like that's why I auditioned for 15 musical theater programs like like that doesn't happen if like the Tony Awards have more scenes that doesn't happen mm-hmm. if the Tony Awards have dramaturgs coming on and talking about their work that doesn't oh happen God, if, like the Award things that are lauded yes literally the fact that okay like the fact that like LMDA like LMDA the literary managers and dramaturgs of America like largely exists because of like the dramaturg copyright issues that occurred with rent like the fact that like it has been that Mm -hmm. long and like we have been acknowledging for like at least the last two decades like contractually and on paper remember the dramaturg's contribution is that important and nowhere to be found i remember (laughs) that was such an impactful moment for me um last tony's when Hades Town, they they shouted out the dramaturg. That was an mm-hmm. incredible moment for me because I because Rachel Chavkin knows. I know. I was like <laughs> Rachel Chavkin. Like, thank God, someone finally for once said the word dramaturgy in a room full of theater people. And I'm sure half of that crowd was still like, "The fuck is a dramaturg?" You know. Um, but that was a beautiful moment of representation, and this is another kind of representation that matters. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if. I don't know, like, if I had known about the Guthrie and, like, Cincy Shakes and Alabama Shakes and, like, uh, even the Muni and, like, St. Louis Rep and Arena Stage and, like, Willie Mammoth and, like, a, like you know, like, really great and, like, all the theater companies in Philly that, like, Pig Iron and, like, just, like, really great regional companies that are doing, like, the work that, you know, I as an artist look to now, like, when I got to college and, like, basically, you know, I was lucky that I happened to be, you know, I was a musical theater major, but I went, like, Webster was not your typical BFA in musical theater, because, like, the conservatory was just, like, such a hippie, like, program in the way that it went about itself, and was so, like, text-focused that, like, Mm -hmm. I sort of got more of a, like, regional theater focus, but it's literally because Webster just makes it its mission to churn out regional theater actors, which, like, bless them for doing it, but if I had gone to, like, the programs I had want, like, if I had gotten to, like, Michigan, like, I had, like, failed their pre-screen, right, like, I wouldn't know that, like, you can get consistent work at regional theaters in the Midwest, like, as an actor, like, you can do that, and, like, have a living wage like I know actors in St. Louis who have never left St. Louis and they make their entire careers like just acting as adult like and have been doing it for decades you know and like no one told me that when I was 15 and if they had like I might have gone about my college audition process differently I might have gone about like I might have been less hard on myself about the fact that like I've got a clean single, but my double's a mess. <laughs> like what? Like well, what is and the I think most important thing to me? Well, that's also, the like, hard thing about the Tonys is that like, because it is commercial theater, that is their focus. So I do understand like where they're coming from. At the same time, I think when they show, not to go all the way back, but like, you know, when you were mentioning Emma about, you know, how they um, show all of these performers who can do all of these amazing things and they're triple threats. It's like, 
you know, then that becomes your idea of what theater, what is theatrical, right? And I remember going to college and like, you know, doing viewpoints and I was like, this is so beautiful. And then like Come From Away is a really good example of like using that kind of idea, right? Like simple movement and theatricalizing it. And like, yeah, you know, like that's what's so beautiful too. And I think um, we see a lot of really flashy things because it is commercial theater, but like to really focus on like, what, how do you make theater... I mean, the Tonys can't really do this, but this idea of like, how can you make theater when you don't have a Tony award-winning budget? Like, I don't know. I think that's something you don't really get from the Tony Awards, which I mean, makes sense, but still. (laughs) But it's also also like, if that's the work that's like, why is it that like, it's only these shows, like it's only the ones that get to this level that get that support and that like people can actually make like a living wage. And even at that, like, even at the highest because level you of like Broadway you stardom, it's still not as much as like the lowest paid actor in Hollywood for the most part. Yeah. You know, like like it's still like re- like relatively that's still like not the one percent, <laughs> right? <laughs> still working oh, yeah. class, still working class. But like even even that, like why is it that like you can't work at like a re- like your whatever the closest theater, literally like in like mile radiuses to wherever you're sitting right now and like do the work you want to do and make a living wage and if your work is like really fantastic it'd be like lauded by Mm -hmm. the theatrical community the way that we like talk about these shows and that yeah why can't it become like why is it that like we've got fantastic obi award-winning playwrights begging to be produced on twitter it's like, this yeah. is like such, so dis- it's like, we- this is embarrassing for us. <laughs> you know, like we, we have Jeremy such O'Hara incredible saying, material that we're just yeah. like not doing. <laughs> well, yeah, we've got Jeremy O'Hara saying he wrote this show for a basement. It's not written for Broadway. And we saw that because it was too divisive for people to have them win anything, you know? And and that was the tweet that got me that this was for a basement. It's not for... Mm-hmm. When he said, that's why we put a mirror up. That's what yeah. got me. Mm, that's why we put a mirror up. He was like, I told my mom this morning, this was what was going to happen. That's why we put up a mirror. And I was like, that's real as fuck. And like you can at like I don't know people I've heard like valid critiques of slave play and like people have different feelings about Jeremy but say what you will but giving him twelve nominations and then nothing. and like all the talk like what gets to me is like all the press that he did which like I'm glad that he did it because like it got you know like he did that for his name you know like he reaped benefits and I'm like glad that he was able to get out of that but also like is giving like mouth to Broadway and is give is like going to sell, like him doing that sells tickets. It gets people to want to show up to shows. It gets people to want to watch the Tony Awards because he's going around talking about how like he's this young black playwright who's the like has the most Tony Award nominations of anybody in history, he goes on all these talk shows and then not one, not one, the the perform back to the performativity of it all, you know, it's just like, but yeah, also, this might be wrong, so don't quote me, but I'm pretty, are the nominators and the Tony voters different groups of people? I'm not sure. Let me look that up. I saw something that said something along those lines, and that would also track. (laughs) 
I just think, I mean, the inheritance, I totally understand why they produced it because of course they would like, like, I remember a year ago having this conversation with my friend and he was like, you know, the inheritance is going to win. And I was like, I mean, you're probably right, you know, but like, yeah, it's just like they, they knew their target audience and it's a, it's a great play, but you know, it is. I'm not saying abolish the inheritance. Don't abolish the inheritance. But I'm also like, why is it again that it has like, you can't see queer bodies without them having AIDS? I was gonna say, I found the answer to that question. Um, Oh, yay. So really quickly, how nomination works, it's a rotating committee of 50 theater professionals that serve for three-year terms. Um, And they meet each year after the Tony eligibility date. Uh, They have secret ballots, blah, 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 blah. And then how Tony voting works is today there are approximately 831 eligible voters is what they're telling me, which is insane. And these include voting members of the Broadway League, the American Theater Wing, Actors' Equity, Dramatists Guild, SDC, Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, United Scenic Artists, Association of Theatrical Press Agents and Managers, the New York Drama Critics Circle, uh, National Association of Talent Representation, and some members of the Tony Awards Nominating Committee. So it's not just the Tony Awards Nominating Committee, it's like 500 other people, um, like literally well, Here's what doesn't sit white, sit right with me there. Because I, I just, just don't like that no one from LMDA is on is on the eligibility. What like, doesn't sit right with me hurts. is the fact that the leaders from our unions and the producers that they're supposed to be like, like standing up again, you know, like the bosses that they are negotiating with um, are are all together and like deciding this. I feel like like that tells me a lot. You know, it explains a lot of things. Is is what I'm getting at i'll leave it there i know brandon jacob jenkins used to be i don't know if he still is but he did he was on the list of tony voters wow maybe i'm wrong but i remember reading that somewhere and i was like oh my god yeah i wonder how look i care less about the tony voter list right about grace getting on the kilroy reader list (laughs) i don't know what we have my dreams if that literally getting on the color leader list is maybe like one of my like bucket lists, right? Like that Do you or think writing a Kilroy list, list this year. Like, that's I a great. Question. I have yeah, a friend who had will, like an internship with the Kilroys like this past summer. Oh they, my god! I didn't even know like they an, did that. They I or the lilies. I think it was like an un like an like like a like an under the table like they call yeah it like thing. You They're know, like emailed books. and then yeah yeah that's wild. Those monologue books are life-saving. Like oh, the the, oh, yeah. the validate, like the comfort and safety I feel like opening a monologue book and knowing that not one is gonna be written by a straight white man <laughs> is like, I've never felt safer, like looking for material. <laughs> and that is the recommendation for the day, everyone listening. Yes. It's not gonna be a yes. player the recommendation is going to be the Kilroy's monologue. You hear it talking about the Kilroy's a lot. If you are an actor, go buy the monologue <laughs> book. I'm going to start wrapping it up. So let's let's drop our last few thoughts. This is very cathartic. Um, it has been a while since I sat and talked about theater. And maybe that was, I was genuinely a little burnt out of theater after having a theater internship all summer, which was a wonderful experience. It was, but I was consuming so much theater content every day that it, I did, 
No, it's healthy. I'm glad I got a break. I'm glad I got a break, you know, but then I jumped right back mm-hmm. into like my BFA program, which was, is very much proven to not be a break. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking for a new therapist this week. Let's just say that. Uh, yeah, one of the things we'll leave, we should leave with is like theater kids and students, especially <laughs> like, especially if you're in a conservatory, like remember that like you can't be a th- like you can't be an artist who like represents life if you don't ha- live one so like mm. and like go like live the ones we live in the theater like I've learned some of the best life lessons I've learned like being in the theater but um I wasn't like I didn't digest any of them until I stepped away so like mm-hmm. take like taking that time all of us feel guilty when we do it shut that voice up take it but we're in a panorama. We're all burnt out. Um, Mercury's in retrograde, apparently, so we could blame the stars too. Here's the, here's the question that I'm going to ask. If you know that the people who run the Tonys, so like the American Theater Wing and like the Broadway League and like all those important people, if you knew that they were listening to this podcast right now, um, what would you what would you say to them? <laughs> yeah. Hire me. Just kidding. Hire me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't black listening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I mean, I think for me, my biggest wish with the Tonys is that like, I just wish that these young theater kids would realize that like the greatest work in American theater never gets awarded on that night. I mean, Night Mother didn't win, um, you know, Indecent didn't win. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Colored Girls, that play didn't win. Like there are so many amazing plays that didn't, that never won Tony's, you know? So it's like, I just think we need to realize that a lot of the great work out there is not on a Broadway stage and it's not being awarded by people on Broadway and that's okay. But like, start looking at those other places and start investing into those places because like, and not places, right? But like artists, more importantly, like, focus on the artists and really like support them in whatever way that you can. Cause like, yeah, they're just, they're amazing. And they're the people who are, um, who are like the vessel of, of the theater industry. But I mean, I guess if I were to say anything to the Tony people, it would be like, you know, include scenes from plays and also like stop making people pay to like perform at the Tony's. That's, that's so dumb. Like I don't, yeah, you have to pay. What? to like perform for your show to like perform at the Tonys you have to pay them which is ridiculous are you kidding me oh yes I think all of the shows should literally just not pay one year and see what happens yeah I want to I want to see a Tony strike right I'm like why do you pay like it's just ugh, it's so dumb but yeah that would be my comment (laughs) also I just want to say it's Britton Smith who said redesign the room I want to credit him so Yes. For me, I don't know like what it is I would say, like if, if, if they were if they were listening. Um for me personally, I'm more like I hope they're not because they should <laughs> because I'd I'd love to uh, be able to, you know, like you know, like they're sort of what I'm doing work um in opposition to a lot of the time. Um so and I mean <laughs> if they're listening and they'd like to help, then you know, I'd say what I'd say to anyone in a like position of significant power which is that like if you're not using that power to dismantle the system that gave it to you then you don't deserve to have it um is my take always um but for me I feel like 
my sort of like call to action is like not for the Tony voters or for the American Theater League because they're not listening to me. I don't expect them to. And I would prefer they didn't so that I could, we can continue to build without them. But what I want, would like to say to like the rest of us, you know, is like, if we like, let's recenter our excitement about like the Tonys if we're not feeling that the way we might have when we were theater kids, you know, like, like I tweeted and it's true. Like I was that theater kid who was I fucking crying in 2013 with when Neil Patrick Harris like singled us out during the I'll be honest, number. that was never like, me. Like it was everything <laughs> for me. And if that, if you were that kid and like you're feeling disillusioned now, like the OB Awards happen every year. Mm-hmm. And like the 2020 OB Awards are done. But like the next time they come around, like I'm refocusing my energy on like hyping, hyping that up and like getting as hype for like, cause you know, there are regional theater awards as well. Like there are, you know, there are drama desks and there are all sorts of like other awards to highlight. But when it comes to like the OB awards are sort of like what we have to highlight like off and off up Broadway that's like the most lauded, like that's sort of the Tony's level of that sort of work that I feel like a realigning of energy like towards towards that um, is like for me feels most productive <laughs> right now because, and you know, continuing to say and do like what I felt for a while since sort of like my disillusionment with the commercial theater started, which is that like, so much of the things that are disappointing about all of this are because like, we love this thing and we want to do it. And like, there are things preventing us from doing the work we want to do. But like, when we feel like we can't do anything, we can always make something. And there are probably five people in your phone who you can call who you would want to make a theater company with. And like, you can always just do that, (laughs) you know? And one day, like, we will like be like able to uplift each other's work enough that like, we like, we will be able to like, you can get together with your group of friends and make your theater company and make your work and have a living wage and like be lauded by the theatrical community. (laughs) Like that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. So like, that's where I'm focusing my energy. I love how Emma started with the Tony Awards and then we should all just like come together and just like make theater. And like, (laughs) I'm like, that's like everything. Poor Mm. man's theater in our basements with our friends. Isn't that just the dream? And not having, I, mean, I was going to come back to for survival. <laughs> You're right. Like, you know, I think you grow up, you get, you get more jaded by the industry. I mean, I definitely was one of those people who loved performing and I loved musicals. Didn't think there was a place for me in the theater world, um, you know, as a professional until I found dramaturgy. And I just want to see more of that recognized, you know, I, 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 was sad that I couldn't, I knew I didn't want to perform and I knew I didn't want to go to school for performance, but I still wanted theater to be part of my life. And I felt like I didn't have that option. So I would love for uh, everything I always say is always like for the kids, you know, because the kids are the revolution. The kids are the next wave of artists. So my thing is if we're, if we're gearing these things like the Tony Awards for the children, which we should be, because I mean, I had viewing parties with my theater friends, like every year growing up, like they, they really do like representation means a lot guys. Um, mm-hmm. so like, I want nothing else. 
Right, no other right. awards. We had like themed snacks and stuff. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> but like, it's like if we're going to, if we, if we actually acknowledge that power we have over the next wave, the next generation of artists, like we should really be thinking about the influence. And and if if like you know, future professions are being you know represented at the Tonys. If if like. All, all kinds of art making are being represented Tonys. Even if I want to see children, you know, at the Tonys, like I want to see high schoolers at the Tonys. I want to see like college students making really cool stuff at the Tonys. Um, so yeah, I think that's just kind of what I want. Um, and plus everything else we said in this entire episode. Uh- yeah. <laughs> I feel like for me, like what I hope most, like the hope that like I hold on to and that like, you know, I've seen a lot of people, you know, have very rightful and like understandable, like feeling like jade, like starting to feel that jadedness, like come on for like the first time for a lot of us, you know, like a lot of us in our early twenties and like, we are like emerging into this field. And so like for a lot of us, it's sort of like, um, you know, the first, you know, the first bits of being jaded, but like for me, what I've been holding on to and what would all share is like, if the industry, might not never have a place for us like if you're someone who feels like what you see in this industry does not have a place for you like that doesn't mean the theater doesn't because the theater is not an industry the theater is an art form and the theater is something that belongs to like any of us when we decide that we're gonna like tell our story and like take up space and like that belongs to any of us at any moment we decide that we want it to whether or not like the profession ever comes so like I feel like you know like if you're feeling hopeless about the industry like I hope that you still feel hopeful about the theater (laughs) there's also a book that I just got I'm trying to remember the name it's theater and it's a theater on it's optimistic theater let me look it up it's this book and it's and everybody has been recommending it to me um and it's all about creating a theatrical space that is um oh it's called there must be happy endings on I a theater of optimism honesty is oh it good my, my professor um my professor former head of the school of drama um megan gave me that book because she's very good friends with the author of it and it's a incredible it's a great oh my book. god yeah I'm really excited on to my read list. It. it does fill you with light and love for theater again when you need it yeah okay good because yeah I'm like I need to read something that will just like rejuvenate my feelings it's for theater yeah. you will, theater you will is not the industry the- industry is going to fall with capitalism but we will have theater when, but like theater will be left over. We will have art. We will have art when capitalism falls. And like exactly. that's falling by itself. We don't need to do anything about that. All we need to do is build what we want to build that will be hang here, in there. you know, and it'll be ours. Um, yes. And I'm going to leave us on the last thing I'm going to say is this quote from Kenny Leon's um, acceptance speech, uh, where he said, we need to hear all of the stories. Let's do better. Yes. That's the whole thing we just said. Says it all. (laughs) All right. Thank you both for coming on. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Out of my dry spell. um, (laughs) And reinvigorating us like you know 
get it out. I need it too. We love a cathartic rant session. Um, (laughs) Well, it was great talking to all of you. Um, My usernames on social media, TikTok, it's not Kristen Bell. And then Twitter and Instagram, it is at Grace Walker with three R's at the end. Don't forget an R, it's really important. Um, And yeah, you can follow me on there. Also my website, if you want to look at like my designs or, you know, writing, don't read my writing now. Uh, gracewalkerswebsite.com thank you very much yeah um, if you want to find me um, I'm O-M-S-U O-H-E-M-M-A-S-U-E on all the platforms um, and I don't know when this is going to drop but if it's within this week there is probably still time to sign up for my Not Your Mom's Theater History class <laughs> so go to actorsrep.org to sign up for that <laughs> That's all I have to plug, really. I would love to take that course. I would love to take that <laughs> oh, course. And I'm Katie Zapanta. Uh, I am not sponsored by Carnegie Mellon School of Drama or the Tony Awards, even though they may sponsor each other. Um, and this <laughs> has been For the Revolution. Um, next up, we're going to talk about a very important subject we kind of touched on, living wages. In this episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the ITSE strike um, and the importance of caring for crew members and theater and film workers um so yeah tune in soon for that and thank you all let's you and me talk about the things we can't live without the things that we want to shout about everything's happening lately because you're my visionary extraordinary